Dear friends, 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 welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. I'm so grateful to be able to host this podcast for you and with some amazing people. And today, one of those awesome humans are here with us today, Sarah Kubrick, aka the Millennial Therapist on social media with over 1.4 million followers on the gram, Instagram, uh, where she shares all about the human condition. Uh, but more than that, she's just an amazing person, grounded, down to earth, and has a way of sharing ideas that are easily digestible and practical to integrate into our day-to-day -day lives. She is an existential psychotherapist and is currently a PhD candidate at Sigma Freud University in Vienna in psychotherapy sciences. That's right. This is actually when we recorded the podcast. I was in New York and she was in Vienna at the time. It took almost a year to finally record this podcast, but by gosh, I am so happy we did because it is a gem. It's so great. It was a joy to record this podcast, and I really hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Friends, I'm super excited to be uh, jumping on this podcast with the one and only millennial therapist, Sarah Kubrick. Sarah, it's so good to see you. How are you? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like we've uh, tried to make this happen several times. We are here now, so I'm really happy. That's all. That's what we have is right now. And I, yeah, I feel like I've been like sort of following you around the world as you traveled throughout the globe to finally pin you now. You mentioned before the podcast started, you're in Vienna. Finish yeah. up your PhD. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. And Thank you're getting, you. How's that? Yeah. How's that process going? And how's it to be back in Vienna? You mentioned that that's where you went to uh, school originally. Yeah. Um, that's where I did my PhD. Um, and uh, the PhD process is really unique. I think it's very different than other, like your master's degree, than your undergrad. I think at least for me, you're a lot more free. And I got to work with some of what, who I considered probably to be one of the greatest psychotherapists. Um, so I'm very excited. Name drop, um, name drop. Alfred Langley. He um, worked with Viktor Frankl and they developed existential analysis. So I, yeah, I'm very, like, very honored to have had the privilege of working with him. And so my PhD um, journey was amazing, just purely because of that one fact. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I'm, I yeah. get, I get chills when I hear Viktor Frankl. And it's sort of, um, I, yeah. I did, I did want to ask you, it's one of those questions I had prepared beforehand was like, who, who do you pull inspiration from? Is it Freud? Is it Alfred Adler? Is it Jung? Is it, and is it Viktor Frankl? And um I mean, yeah, you can answer that question. Is, uh, Absolutely. So yeah, I consider myself an existential therapist. Um, so I pull a lot on philosophy as well as existential, you know, psychotherapists and psychiatrists. So I love Viktor Frankl. I like Yalom. I like Alfred Langley. Um, so these are all the individuals that, you know, um, have really shaped the way that I practice. But obviously, I, I'll read Sartre and Nietzsche and Kierkegaard and really okay, fun no. things like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's a, wow, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the little that I know from Victor Frankl was through Masters for Meaning and then getting a little somewhat like, I was like, oh my God, I want to know what this man knows and like start looking into logotherapy and like, but mm -hmm. I really connected with um, in general, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, like the general idea is that some of the other leading minds in psychotherapy was around, you know, power or, um, what drives a person and, and Victor uh, Frankl was about meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you find to be true? Is that something that you believe in that ultimately 
a human being is just looking to like, fill something. It, the the biggest driving force in a person is is for is for purpose and meaning, and we perhaps get distracted by other things. Yeah, I I think meaning is one of those things. I think it's a bit simplified to say it's the only thing we look for, but I definitely think the meaning is a pillar. And so when I work with my clients, that's definitely a conversation we'll be having, an ongoing conversation we'll be having is, do you have your sense of meaning? Are you constantly creating that sense of meaning through your actions every single day towards whatever direction you want to point your life in? Got it. Great. And when, well, whoa, clients, I mean, when I went to your website, you realized, I saw there was no clients, any new clients or you, you shut that down now since. Um, I still see clients, but I'm not taking on new clients um, right. right now. Yeah. Okay. Just putting it out that I am in search of a new, uh, oh. new therapist. But then again, I'm glad we're having this before that, because I know you can't really engage with their, yeah, with clients once you're yes. their client. So. It's true. Wow. You know, you know it all. <laughs> <laughs> I read the disclaimers, um, mm -hmm. but that being said, let's just go back to that. So meaning and purpose, um, have you found your meaning and purpose? Do you find like you're in your groove now? I really do. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one thing that I've always kind of known, which is very lucky. <laughs> like I understand how many people really struggle. And I feel like that's one thing that I always felt like I knew my meaning was tied in to service and helping individuals. And obviously the older I got, the more specific that, you know, picture became of like, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist. At first I was like, I want to be a psychologist to just understand the human mind. Um, and then that turned into like, well, maybe I can alleviate some suffering. Um, and so I think the vision becomes more clear. And I think my meaning changes and it shifts. And this is a fun thing about your meaning. I don't think it has to be stagnant or rigid I think your meaning can evolve as you evolve and so I have always um, felt like I had a very solid sense of what drives me and what's my purpose in life um, and obviously my work is one of the biggest drivers um, but yeah that's always been something that luckily has come somewhat naturally call me in two years you're like what's your meaning I'm like I don't know <laughs> I don't know we all yeah. changed yeah <laughs> Plot to us. Well, the sixty-four thousand yeah. dollar question is: um, If someone listening to right now and they're feeling a little lost and not grounded and anchored in their meaning and purpose, what do you have any simplified tools or guidance as to one could ask themselves how to get to that place to their purpose and meaning? Yeah, um, I think sometimes just looking at your values is really key to figuring out what your meaning and purpose in life is. Um, and then you'll be like, well, how do I know what my values are? And I think a simple way to do that is to see where you spend most of your time. The things we place value in in life is what we spend most of our time on. And sometimes we don't execute that flawlessly, but whatever you're spending your time on, ask what is the value hiding behind this action? Um, and I think that when people talk about meaning, they talk about this really huge question but we just need to break it down to what gives you meaning in this moment? What gives you meaning every day? What gives you meaning every week that will create the ultimate meaning? Well, I think we often go backwards, right? We're like, what is the ultimate meaning in life? And then you're like trying to, you know, squeeze your way back to that, whatever that point when in reality, I think it's co-created from the future and the present. So if someone, just to push back a bit on that, if someone says, well, hey, you know, Sarah, I'm, I'm playing video games all day or, or I like mm -hmm. to, you know, to bike, I just like exercise all day. Um, mm -hmm. 
but that doesn't really fulfill me or I feel there's something lacking or I meant for more, how can they navigate themselves to really go a level deeper to see what is it that I, that they want to create? Yeah. And this is such a great example because playing video games can be, uh, for example, a source of escapism. It can also be a drive for connection. So it depends if it's escapism or if it's self-soothing, then maybe you need to figure out how to soothe better, how to take care of yourself, fulfill your needs before you can jump to the what's the meaning in life. Maybe right now that's kind of clouding your judgment or clouding the way that, you know, your your purpose. And it's really hard to see it because your needs aren't met. Mm. And I think sometimes just taking care of your needs can open up space for you to ask those bigger existential questions. And, you know, sometimes we don't have that privilege, but sometimes we do. Got it. Right. So it could be like, and, and perhaps asking the big questions, quote unquote, purpose, meaning what is it could be a way yeah. of escapism in the sense of keeping yourself stuck. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And, and your, your dishes are filled, you know, and I'm not yeah. right now looking at all my dishes in the sink. I'm just speaking <laughs> for a friend, but and like, sure, dude, sure. all you got to do is just wash your dishes, do like the next right action, clear up that clutter physically or mentally, Mental, and then yeah. go ahead. And like maybe ask those bigger questions, like you said. So that's like, I'm yep. perhaps stuck on that. If you have the mental capacity to do that just now. It really depends if you find that, yeah, you're using those questions as an excuse not to put in any actions and not to take responsibility for your current day. Cause you're like, well, I don't know what the point is. So I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Then as you said, maybe it's the small, small actions. And if you feel like you're doing the small actions, but still can't get to the bigger question, then maybe you need to spend more time with the discomfort of the bigger question. And, you know, um, are you okay with creating your own meaning or do you feel like it needs to be given to you? And if you feel like it needs to be given to you, who's going to give it? <laughs> and if you're okay with creating it, how are you going to do that? Um, and are you going to take responsibility for creating it? So, yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, all fun stuff. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the uh, in your family, if you were going, you know, back in time and ask your your, your folks or your, uh, do you have siblings? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we ask your siblings, you know, would you, Sarah be a therapist? Or, or if we ask them, what would she be when she grew up? Would they say a therapist? Or would they say something else totally? Oh, geez. Um. I don't think they would have said a therapist <laughs> as a child. No, I think I went, wanted to be like a news anchor woman. I think when I was like a kid, I mm. wanted to be a teacher. I think they thought I would maybe go into acting or do something like that. I'm not really sure if therapy would be the first thing they yeah. thought about. <laughs> and, yeah. right. It's a great question. I don't actually know what they would say. Now I'm going to go ask them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Snuck that one in there. But, um, but did you, so the question is in the home that you did grow up in with your siblings and your folks, um, yeah. did you like, I know you're, you're, you're very knowledgeable around boundaries and, and, and therapy as well. And people have different drive, drives behind it. Like, is, is it, you grew up in a home that had great boundaries or was it <laughs> lacking? And that's where you like, you decided, you know, I want to go ahead, like ahead and learn that and then yeah. share that with others. So I absolutely love my family. I'm actually really close with my family and my family and I have been through a lot with, you know, the Balkans and the wars and the immigration and things like that. Mm. But my family is pretty, it was very terrible with boundaries. Um, in retrospect, I look at that, I'm like, whoo. And I think it's a little cultural as well. 
I think Serbians, um, I think still boundaries are not a hot topic there. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's starting to be. Um, <laughs> and so it was offensive, right? It was offensive to ask for space and privacy, um, not to share things, to say no, especially to someone who was older than you. Um, and so as a child in particular, you don't really have the right to set boundaries. And I think my parents tried and they did some really cool stuff that was outside of the cultural norm. But still, I, I think I realized maybe in my early 20s how not having boundaries has destroyed all my relationships. <laughs> um, and, um, and then I was like, huh, what is this thing that I need in my life? And then I stumbled across boundaries. But I'm the type of person that would probably like give a bit too much or like not complain and then just kind of snap and be like, okay, I'm done with this. Um, and I think it's because, you know, I didn't have boundaries and then I would just get very resentful. And so I, I noticed this pattern and boundaries seem to be the answers. Incredible. Yeah. And when, when you say boundaries and now like being a therapist, knowing so, do you still find yourself tripping up when it comes to this? Is it, do you feel like you nailed it? Is, is there a point in life where someone's like, I got that. nailed it? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to meet this human. I think my biggest boundary issues are with myself probably at the moment um, of like How so? taking breaks, taking rests, putting away my computer when I'm eating lunch um, not being on social media, which is kind of tricky now with, you know, my, my work being, you know, tied to social media. Oh, we'll and go so, there. yeah, we'll go lovely. Um, so I think the biggest stuff is I've kind of overcome the fear of saying no to others and people know Sarah's very honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I will, you know, I will set boundaries with others quite easily and usually honor them quite easily. But when it comes to myself, that's still what I'm working on. That is, yeah, and that's. I feel like there's we're sort of touching on that perhaps self love, self care, which yeah. is like a buzzword today, and and I, I honor that whether it's cliche or not because it's something new for me in my life very recently, mm. which has been a gift uh, to lean into and to grow and to nourish. Um, which leads me to my question as to what do you think that line is that boundary that borderline between self-care self-love taking care of self filling up your cup doing what you need to do to show up in the world and then also selfish where is that like how do you bounce between like oh i'm not going to go this weekend with my folks even though they want Mm. me to but everybody's going to be there wow very specific example mayor yeah Uh, tell me more (laughs) (laughs) this is not a freeze therapy session at all not at all Uh, um, but or like or no i want to take care of myself this weekend and go to the spa okay yeah Mm -hmm. where does one where does one draw the line between self-care and selfishness and this is hard too i think anything that becomes a hot topic on social media goes into extremes where it's like oh, your sister's having a hard time and crying for the first time in a year. And you're like, I booked a spa appointment. Like I need to honor my time. And and like you ignore her, you know, like, and maybe in some contexts that would be appropriate, but I would say most it's not. And I, I think we still need to understand that we need to nurture relationships with others and that we're social beings. And it's not all about us. I think the line between self-care and selfishness is like, selfishness to me is doing things and looking out for your own pleasure or profit self-care is about fulfilling needs Mm. so yeah maybe it would be more enjoyable for you to sit alone and read a book than hang out with your cousin that you know is having awkward teen year 
issues, problems, whatever. And, you know, maybe it'd be nicer for you to just read a book, but unless that's a need and you need to recharge, I would say it's okay to put your book down and go and have a chat with your 15 year old cousin. And so I think it's a bit about like, is a need being met or are you just like, well, this is greater pleasure for me. And this is where you can become very self-centered and it's not so much about self-care. It's just about being a little selfish. Super clear. I like that a lot. That's, that's, that's really great. I mean, do you feel like people now around reunions and family are coming to you for free therapy advice or like, they just know like, Hey, you know, I'm just sad right now. I'm hanging out. Um, my family, no. I have actually quite a few psychologists in my family. <laughs> um, yeah, friends sometimes, but I, I think it's kind of like I'm the youngest kid. They always look at me as like cute little Sarah. Like there's absolutely no universe where they'll be like sitting down, be like, okay, Sarah, how do I set a boundary with my boss? <laughs> right. They'll read my post and like it, but they won't go as far as like. <laughs> That's too much. That's too much. Yeah, to actually like yeah, point yeah. to the side and say, hey, I hear yeah. that. Well, being a therapist now, what are some of the surprise benefits that you you personally have received without knowing that you would receive it becoming a therapist? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've learned so much about myself <laughs> mm. and just life. Yeah. I, you know, just having the honor of sitting down with people and hearing their life experiences and learning about someone else. It's a really profound way to reflect on yourself. And so I think it's been very humbling, but it's been I almost feel like I'm also doing the work alongside of them. And, you know, as a therapist, you're always checking in with yourself of like, did that trigger me? What does that bring up in me? The way I'm expressing myself, where, where does that come from? Um, and you always want to be in check. So there's a lot of inner dialogue that occurs while you're in a therapy session. And then that's really cool because you're also learning and growing at the same time. Yeah. Do you feel like if you, you know, started this process later or born a couple of years later and you were now like coming of age through the coaching world that is evolving now you would mm -hmm. defer to a coach than rather being a therapist um hmm that's a great question i don't know i i don't think so i'm so in love with the traditional psychoanalysis and the and the science and the philosophy of it all and of course, there, you know, there's a lot of coaching method methodologies that come from science and philosophies, but these particular ones that I'm drawn to are all in, you know, psychoanalysis, um, stem from psychoanalysis at least. And I think my initial love was trauma work. I think that that's really serious work. And I think the training that you get in psychology and therapy is oftentimes more than life coaching. And I think life coaching doesn't work necessarily with mental concerns, mental health concerns. I think it's more about optimizing people's lives, which is fantastic. Uh, it's about changing patterns and, you know, giving them practical tools, which again, therapy does as well. But I think I really like the digging, the wide, the deeper work, the unraveling, uh, the slowness of it all. And the fact that it's not my job to give advice. It's my job to listen and allow the client to kind of guide themselves. Mm. That's, that's really amazing and, and special. And you said, you mentioned slow, right? And, and it is a slow process and, and there's like this unraveling of a core that takes place. Yeah. Um, I wonder what your thoughts are on other modalities that are coming yeah. popular, such as, you know, plant medicine, breath mm -hmm. work that seem to, um, 
and I'm talking from experience in this regard that have, I felt like a thousand hours of therapy in one session, like just Absolutely. getting to it's know. Amazing. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how do you, yeah, navigate this world now that's starting to implement these things as well? For sure. And when I say slow, I mean, the atmosphere is slow, not that the process has to be super slow and that the client doesn't feel change. Um, that's the opposite <laughs> of what we want here. Um, no, I think, you know, there's some, I love somatic work. I use somatic work as well, even though conceptually, you know, I'm very embedded in existentialism. I I've been trained in, you know, other modalities. I read on other modalities and I think they all have something really valuable to give. Breath work is incredible. I think breath work can unlock a lot of things in our body and in our mind and I think as a, what I've seen older psychologists do was become really shut in and go this is the only way everything new is not good enough and and I promised myself yeah. <laughs> that I will not do that because I I think uh you know psychology is a field and I don't even know if you'd whatever you'd consider that under is is growing and evolving and changing. I think it's my job to keep up with it and to see what I can implement and what would help my clients. And I have, I have nothing but respect for all these new different ways to approach our humanity and to help heal. Mm -hmm. I hear that. That's, that's awesome. That's actually really, I, I mean, I love that idea of like always forever, like just like being the student or just being open yeah. to what else is new and evolving and, and to grow and and I must just give some like this, 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 yeah, you seem very grounded into who you are as a person and, and haven't um, been swayed too much what it seems like from the outside forces, whether it's like through learning and through mm -hmm. social media, which is something that, you know, I know I've, I've had to work on as well with, with the little, you know, uh, recognition. Yeah, fame that I've gotten or viral hits that have, that have come my way, it definitely brought up a new way of being that had to be challenged. And so I asked you, Sarah, like, how, how are you navigating the, um, the workload and the, and the, all that comes with having a million point four followers on Instagram and, and overall social media? Um, how, how do you stay you, authentic? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think when I first started an Instagram account, I did like a consultation with who's a really close friend of mine now. And she was like, make sure you have like your own voice, which was a really fantastic sort of, you know, I don't know, pointer. Pardon? Who, who, uh, who did you ask? Liz Listens. She's also on Instagram. Yep. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I got so in my head of like, what is my point of view? Like, how can it be different? Like, what is my voice? And it really became an obstacle to me until I realized that I need to present information through the lens of Sarah, through my own experiences, through how I understand it. And the best way for my voice to be heard or, or seen, if I can say that, is just to present things as authentically as possible. So only present information in a way that actually resonates with me. So it's not about, so it's like, if I'm talking about boundaries, it's like these phrases resonated with me. Mm -hmm. They don't have to resonate with you, but they resonated with me. And I think that helped me stay grounded, but that also helped me get that voice that we talk about um, so much. And I think I always go back to why am I doing this? And the 
the bigger my following got, the more I had to ask myself, because it's so easy to see a post you really like do very poorly. (laughs) All the algorithms to like change or to get some negative comments and to go, am I doing all of this wrong? Who am I? Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Like there's just so much opportunity for, for doubt and insecurity and pressure to change or to be whatever people expect you to be. Um, And so I always go back to like, why am I posting this? Mm. And what was the purpose of this in the Mm. first place? Got it. And, and where was that time? Like when you just opened up your account, was it 2018 or you started posting consistently? 2019, I started posting. 2019, right before the pandemic. Um, what, what, what got, wow. What helped, what, what got you started? Like, Hey, why, why jump on IG then Instagram or social media? And then where was that turning point where you realized, oh my God, this is turning into something much larger than I thought? Yeah. Um, so initially I did it because I wanted to continue traveling for, well, my PhD and for research and all of my other friends were starting like actual clinics and, and working at different practices. And um, they were all getting clients by like, they would walk by or they had bulletin boards or at restaurants. And I just was like, oh shit, like how am I going to get some clients <laughs> and how am I going to get a community? Cause for me, as I said, like my meaning in life has always been tied to giving back something somehow like doing something. And I felt like social media was kind of the obvious answer. Now at that time, I don't think too many people were doing it quite yet. So it felt a bit risky. And I was like, who's going to read text on Instagram? That was my big doubt. Like who's going to do that? It's all picture-based. Even they're like they're that we're doing it, we'll have like a picture and then like a little caption. Um, And so then I was like, I'll give myself six months. I'll embarrass myself for six months. It doesn't matter. And if it takes off, great. If it doesn't, I'll just shut it down. Um, And I think the first year I got to 200,000 followers. And I think that's the first time we like clicked. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, maybe I <laughs> shouldn't shut it here. down. <laughs> yeah. oh, this um, is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was very organic, but it was also very surprising to me at the time. Wow. What have been some of the challenges uh, when it comes to um, being a, a known person and, uh, and a brand? Um, I think yeah. expectations. Uh, people expect you to word things exactly how they've experienced it or how they want it, how they want to hear it. Um, I think it's just a lot of unrealistic expectations or, you know, if you're at a bar with your friends, not that I go to those now, but like if you're at a, you know, at a dinner table, people will um, either recognize you and then you'll feel like, oh, am I behaving like a therapist should, which is such a, I had to get out of that headspace a little bit. Shots. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like the least wild person ever. Like it really doesn't even matter. I'm like the one drinking water. Um, But also, you know, people would start to share really personal information with you when you're not like mentally ready for it. So I'd be, you know, yeah, like I'd be at dinner, just unwinding with my friends. And then someone would be like, oh yeah, you're a therapist. My brother tried to commit. Like it's just, it would really turn into something very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was also just a, a challenge of, you know, when people recognize you more or they're like, we really like your Instagram, then they will, how do you which get is a, really- an, It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like, but how do you, but how do you maneuver that? <laughs> okay, cool. And cool. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but practically, how do you get out of that without 
sound like a total like you know dick me, yeah mean person yeah thanks yeah. you have kids that listen to this podcast so oh I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding um, um but yeah but like how do you um how do you like maneuver that without like making hurting the feelings but also like you know you're with your friends you want to go in on the capacity to give them life advice right now yeah it's just not the right setting and i don't want to give them a, advice that that would be misleading because I I, I want to honor their experience and truly know it before I say anything back. So I usually just validate, like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds really difficult, but I won't, you know, and I'm like, if they keep asking for advice of like, you know what, it's, it would be really important for you to, to speak to someone. Uh, right now I'm not seeing clients or I'd say, you know, I actually know you through social circles. So this is not an appropriate dynamic for me to be your therapist. And then just kind of, you know, close mm -hmm. the conversation very, very nicely. And again, I get it. People need to talk and uh, you know, that that's so valid, but I think uh, that's been one thing that I've tried to set boundaries around. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's very important. So mm -hmm. what does team millennial therapist look like today? Is it, is it just you? Is it now a, a team around? Just me. Everyone thinks it's a team. Everyone's thought it was a team. Yeah. It's just me. <laughs> it's a massive compliment. It's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. No, yeah. it's just, just good old Sarah. And I feel like because it's so based on who I am as a person and how I see things, I haven't been able to, um, uh, release the control to others <laughs> wow yeah i hear that <laughs> like, it'll be a big issue if they screwed up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you guys like stared me down right there like big issue yeah. <laughs> big uh, big issue so so burnout it doesn't sound like you really had much burnout it seems like you're really just flowing with it like you're it's you your voice unless i'm wrong it may was there a point where you hit a wall there's times where I'm like, uh, like actually this last Saturday, I, I like muted Instagram and my entire phone to actually, um, cause it was just too much. And I, I have those moments where I'm like, I just need space from it. It's it, let's take a little break. Um, and so when it comes, I'm quick to notice and try to just step away. And when I'm not having fun with it, then I have a conversation with myself of like, why am I even doing this? And I refuse to do it in a way that's not fun or enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. And so I always kind of readjust to where I am in life, how busy I am, how not busy. Um, and I try to keep an eye out, but yeah, burnout happens, I think to, to everybody. And honestly, Instagram is not what would cause me burnout. It's more like just a lot of other types of work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The work that yeah. you're involved with. What yeah. are you, so that's, that's a good question. I mean, you are posting, it seems like every day and it's not sometimes I multiple am. times a day. So no. is that something that you <laughs> schedule before? I'm getting very technical because I I'm in this world and, um, I, I am one who stepped away, went back in and always trying to, and I'm in a space now where I want to go back in in a more healthier manner. So I'm always curious to yeah. know how other creators, um, are, and are, are, are having their workflow. So yeah. Are you, are you, is it, is it scheduled? Is it something that you, you sit down and you get inspired, you write out 10 posts or does it just on the whim? How do you maneuver that? It's just me staring at a blank page, yeah. um, single tier. No, um, honestly, I usually write my content day of, um, because I want to resonate with what I'm posting. So I used to try to plan it out and then the day would come and I'd be like, I'm not feeling this post. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't post it. And then yeah. I would just, have to come up with something new anyways. So now I do have like a little, you know, word document where when I do feel inspired, sometimes I'll get like 
15 ideas at once or before bed, usually it's right when I'm about to fall asleep, I'll like grab my phone and do like a little note memo. And when I'm watching a movie, someone will say a line and I'll write it. Um, but oftentimes it's just me um, that day thinking about something and, and writing it. Um, or at this point, also sometimes reusing older content if I need a break of like, I haven't, no one's read this in two years. So maybe like today, yeah. considering I'm really busy, um, I'll repost it. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. And how, where do you see this, this millennial therapist's brand that you've created? Where do you see it going? Hmm, Want to be more specific? <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, do you see it evolving? I know I've seen you stepping more into like, say reels and putting yourself in the videos more often now. Do you see yourself yeah. doing more sketches or skits? Do you see yourself wanting to host a, a show perhaps or write a book? Yeah. Okay. So all, all those things. Um, so I just finished writing my book, my first book. Thanks <laughs> for the setup. That was nice. flawless. <laughs> <laughs> You're calling it out. We did talk yeah. about the book before. And we that did was talk curious. about the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely. I just wrote my first book, which I'm really excited about. Um, I would love to get into the TV space a little more. I would love to maybe do a show or a podcast. Um, I think I'm in that phase where I'd like to explore different things, um, mm. see what really fits. The real thing is just, again, I think Instagram is changing and I need to be up with the change. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can resist the change only for so long. And I think, you know, if I want to make sure that I'm accessible to all demographics on there, then maybe some of my messaging will be through video. Um, and that's just something I started fairly recently. And maybe I'll do more skits. Maybe I'll do more. I have no idea. I just want to, again, have fun with it and see kind of where it goes and what fits and what doesn't fit. What's the name of your book? And do you think you ever change Millennial Therapist to your name or to something else? Uh, I don't know the name of my book. <laughs> Okay. That is the one thing that uh, is still being discussed. So uh -huh. thanks for pointing that out. No. Um, and I did change my name. Actually, in when I was in New York, so in May, I changed my name to Sarah Kubrick. My handle. Yeah, I, okay. And then I changed it back. Okay. I'm telling. Oh, my gosh. I noticed that. I noticed that. That you mm -hmm. did it was like sarah.cubic and then i was like oh that's smart that okay cool like she's doing that that's my opinion i said it's smart but and then you went back to my therapist not so. dot kubrick just it sarah wasn't? kubrick okay and now i remember someone seeing your stolen name. that from me oh. um yeah it, it was a bummer someone was i guess waiting to take it now it's gone um yeah so it caused chaos and confusion and i think people thought i was stealing content from the millennial therapist Wow. Um, yeah. And so it just, I, I think people were, it was not, <laughs> the point is to make it as easy as possible for the community. My name is on there. I just thought, okay, maybe I can just start going by Sarah, but I think the brand is a bit too um, established at this point, um, mm -hmm. which is totally fair. And I have nothing against my handle. I thought I'd try it and it caused a lot of confusion. And I thought, huh, I don't want to really reply to this many DMs about like why I'm using <laughs> content oh, yeah. or my format is exactly like the millennial therapist. So I, um, I changed it back copy that all right cool and it's a great name and it's working so <laughs> yeah don't yeah why fix it up? um yeah. you're receiving so i can't even imagine so many messages on, on a daily basis and um 
and hence I wanted to express my gratitude again for hopping on the podcast. No, um, thanks for having me. Jeez. With yeah, with uh, all these, so you have an insight, a unique insight to so many different people's lives and what they're going through. Do you find a certain thread in certain whether it's age groups or demographics or in general humanity right now from what you're mm-hmm. seeing? Is it anxiety? Is it is it social awkwardness? Mm. Is it um, depression? Is a very you know big word. Around that note, is there something that's some like a, a thread that's coming through? I mean, I I feel like you've hit kind of on the main points, but I think anxiety is pretty big now. I and and rightly so. There's so much uncertainty in life right now, um, and so many just horrible things happening all the time. It's hard not to be anxious. But I, what I have actually noticed was more existential questions lately. I, mm. I think since COVID, a lot more people have considered the questions of like, what is my purpose in life? I can't go into my office anymore. I'm sitting at home. I thought my job was my like my mm. life, but now I, I don't have a job anymore or my job is not what it used to be. And so I think it's... Um, yeah, people are much more prone to ask the big existential questions or like, who am I? I find that Gen Zers are amazing and they're like running towards that question. (laughs) And, you know, and I I feel like we're having a bit of um, identity crisis as a society. And um, yeah, that's probably the biggest trend that I've noticed now. Again, it could be biased, like I'm looking for these questions or maybe it's the type of people that follow me that ask them, but I have found them to be really prevalent. Wow. That's, that's, that's wild. And when you, when you're talking about Gen, Gen Zers, I, I'm a big fan of Gen Z in general. Mm-hmm. I think they're just, yeah, I just love the passion and, and the yeah. authenticity and the rawness and the curiosity. They're so bold. Bold. Yeah. yeah. Oh, freaking love them. <laughs> love it. Love, yeah. love it. Love it. Um, so that being said, do you feel like with therapy and is there, a, do you feel like it's different tactics are being need to pivot or change for this different generation or is it therapy is therapy or modalities or modalities um and that it's just sort of it's 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 the generations between millennial and gen z are, are still quite close that there's not much of a difference there i still think it's quite close i wouldn't say that you know the modalities we have are no longer relevant for gen setters but i do find that they are much more direct a lot of the time and a lot more honest and kind of authentic. And I think um, that is such a fun thing to see in your sessions. Um, And I think it allows the therapist to be a lot more direct that way as well. So that's kind of a fun, um, maybe a little different, a little difference, you know, millennials and we're direct, but I don't think we're quite as direct. Yeah. There's still a bit of a smile there and hiding. There's a little bit of like a smile and an awkward giggle. Um, So, you know, again, I think the modalities are still equally relevant, but I think you have someone who's bold and who's curious and who's passionate. Um, And now we're totally general, like generalizing here, but like, (laughs) but I think it does kind of allow you to, to use maybe tactics you don't get to use a lot with other clients, which is fun. Mm, yeah, I hear that. Um, we're speaking more about mental health like these days more than ever. I feel like it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's an, it feels like in every conversation, again, I could maybe find myself in these conversations, but I do find there's a shift in this world. Like it's not just the celebrities of actors or, or uh, 
athletes who are famous, but now like a therapist like yourself can is a, is a, somewhat a celebrity um, for lack of a better term. <laughs> what I mean by that is this well-known person who people want to follow. You know what I mean? Okay. I think it's like, with. yeah, don't push it. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> nah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's definitely a, a shift where people yeah, are getting excited sure. about a, a thought leaders and whatnot. Um, but mm-hmm. yet there's a rise in mental health issues. And um, so, mm-hmm. Yes, we were coming through COVID and uh, there was a lot of disconnection there and isolation, but I would say this is already happening before then where there was this rise in mental health and perhaps that's why we're talking about it more. What can we, the collective we, or or people who want to help or the world or person, like how can we shift? How can we heal more? How, you know, how, how can one person, um, not one person, but like, how can, well, I mean, I guess can we asking- we as a one person? I love that. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> you know, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, you know, I come from a tradition where it's like you have to. Re- there's like this plurality between like feeling that the world was created for you, yeah. and at the same time knowing that you're you know to stay humble, like you know you're yeah. you're here to serve. Um, that being said, yeah. So how how can we battle this this mental health you know epidemic that's happening and and make this world a little more safer and, and, and more healed? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I mean, that's a million dollar question right here. Um, I think keep having conversations, destigmatize the pain and the discomfort of being human. I think we've also pathologized absolutely everything at this point, which is very interesting to watch. Mm. You know, like every boyfriend that you don't like is a narcissist totally discrediting the fact that narcissism is a very serious (laughs) disorder and it shouldn't be used lightly and he probably wasn't he just probably didn't know how to communicate was a bit manipulative and was like 17 but like (laughs) you know like the I, I think we need to be more careful about the language we use but we also need to just share experiences share stories I think that can be incredibly healing create start creating a safe space where it's not about like performing or being performative or but it's about just genuinely connecting with one another and I think we have so many distractions in life I mean if you read about statistics when it comes to social media and mental health like it's scary and I think we need to have boundaries and go back to trying to be more self-aware I think self-awareness is key to so many things. Um, You can't create change without awareness. And yes, we can have global awareness of like mental health is suffering, but it's like, okay, are you aware of yourself or what you're doing, what patterns you're exhibiting, what behaviors or, you know, like you're, you're trying to change how you're acting towards your mom or your partner. And it's about like how you feel. Do you know what your needs are, what your feelings are? It's really going back to the basics of like, are you aware of yourself as a human being and how you interact with the world? And if each person did that to your we, but I question, (laughs) I think we would see hopefully a collective change. Mm. Beautifully said. Um, what are you reading now? I just finished reading Conversations with Friends. Oh, nice. And how yeah. was it? One, one, one to 10, how, how was that for you? You know, it was fun. I'm really trying my best to read fiction um, as a way to like relax instead yeah. of reading like something really heavy. Um, and I thought it brought up a lot of 
cool concepts. And uh, with my clients who have read the book, we'll often talk about it. It's modern love. What does that mean? What does love mean to you? What does commitment mean to you? So um, I think it was really wonderful in just starting that conversation. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun book. And I want to see the, uh, I want to see the TV show. So that's why I read it. There you go. Yeah. You (laughs) always got, yeah. Read the book before. Yeah. 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 Read the book. Totally. Totally. I hope it's as good or half as good as the book. You know, it's, it's usually, you know, as things are, but um, (laughs) I like the book a lot. So I think it'll be kind of hard. Yeah. 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 I'm saying the expectation is high. What was one takeaway uh, from the book that you uh, walked away with? That was like, ah, this is something I could implement or something that opened your mind to something new. I think, I don't know if it's new, but people can define their own relationships the way that they want to, and you don't have to agree with it. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, I probably wouldn't do what the main character did, but I respect it. And I, I'm like, good for you. That's how you define it. That, that was your process. And I just loved hearing about that process. And I think it's just really nice. I think we need more of that in the world of like, I wouldn't personally do this, but I very much still respect it. And, and um, for me, it's like, oh, and I get it. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was like a nice, it was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I love how you're respecting those who may want to read this book that you're not indulging any, any uh, spoilers. Yeah, I'm trying so, well really done. not to well spoil done. it, well but, done. but yeah, I think it was a really cool thing of like, I, I hope that as a society, we can start doing that more and more. And I think I like that they're defining what a relationship means or what relationships work for them. Cause I know for a lot of people, the types of relationships they grew, grew up witnessing and then tried implementing don't work for them. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to have the courage to, to explore and to find what does work for you and respect those who perhaps have a different view and having the courage to stay, to leave and to find the one that works for you. Yeah. Well, that was eloquent. I think it's your morning, my night. It's not really fair, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it. Yeah. That's the only soundbite I'm going to post on social media. Just that. <laughs> yeah. Just that. That's it, folks. Perfect. <laughs> um, and uh, just two more to go. What, what are you listening to now? I've been listening to a lot, like everyone else, Harry Style. Oh, and like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it feel better about yourself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my God. Um, So that's been kind of fun. Yeah. Harry's been been on the podcast. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. For both of us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I want to collab with him. He's like, this is the collab I've been waiting for all my life, Mayor and Sarah. Perfect. I mean, he seems like a stellar dude. I would love to um, have a conversation. Just seems so interesting to me. Um, Angus and Julia Stone. I don't Mm. know if you've heard of them. I'm not familiar. Yeah, it's more like acoustic-y, more when I'm writing vibes. But um, I really listen to pretty much everything. So it depends on my mood, on the city, on the weather. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) No, totally. I, I, I understand. I'm all about, you know, it's it's just the tone. And um, any last thoughts, Sarah, anything you want to share, any tips, any insight, anything that you want to get off your chest or that we didn't talk about that you want to share or listen to? As I said, is this a free session for me now? As I said it, I was like, this is funny, Mayor. Okay, yeah. But yeah, you know what I, mean. I love it. Take it um, away. No, I just think the one thing people should think of no, and then I launch into yes. Um, <laughs> when you're on social media, I think it's so important for you to read the content and then see how you want to engage with it. 
you get to choose how you engage with the content. And um, I would prevent yourself from self-diagnosing and like being like, oh my God, this is wrong with me. Or my boyfriend is for sure cheating on me because here's seven signs of like infidelity or whatever it is. I think it's just so important to monitor what you consume and the type of relationship you have with it and to see what fits and what doesn't and not everything will fit and that's okay too. Yeah. Sounds social media tip. Yeah. Yeah. Just going to drop that little gem as we close off this podcast. Sarah, how could people connect with you or find out more about what you're up to, your book, and uh, future projects that you're up, yeah, that you're involved with? Yeah, so Instagram is probably the best way. So millennial.therapist. I do have a website, which is under my name, Sarah Kubrick, in case you don't know what it is. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll be announcing some really fun projects really soon, as well as my book. So stay tuned. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the podcast. Pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Dear friends, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. And Sarah, thank you. Woo, we finally did it. Wow, it was so much fun recording this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And friends, if you haven't yet, give this podcast a subscribe, hit that like button, give a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And be sure to have a, an amazing day ahead. Stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor Kay and have a great day.